this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. Um, I'm being evicted, and I'm Evan. I'm a bar full of burly men eating cheese and mayonnaise sandwiches. I'm Ronnie. And if you couldn't tell from those introductions, Ending Pending is a television show where we... Fuck me. Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows that have only lasted for a single season. We're currently covering NBC's The Black Donnellys, which you can find streaming on their website. But before we get into that... My darling fiance Evan has a bit for us. I sure do. <laughs> Tell, what's the bit, Evan? I am so excited for this bit. Third time's the charm with the bits they say. Is it? Are you implying that my other two bits were real bad? No, I'm, sa- real- <laughs> I'm saying this that's is like- what uh, that's what it sounded like to yeah. me. Dude. Is it? Huh. Yeah. Everyone well, shits on my bits though, so that means you know your yeah. bits are good. Step up, step up, Evan. What's uh-huh. this bit all about? Uh huh. You're in jail. What landed you there? Ooh. See, I have like a shows like this, I think, really key in on my fear. And my fear is definitely that I get like mixed up with some kind of weird happenstance that puts me in jail for like just wanting to be there for people. You know what I mean? I'm I'm like Tommy. I'm Tommy out there. I'm just trying to help too much. And I'm trying to help maybe not the not the right people in the right situations. And I just, you know, I'm an accomplice. I'm an accomplice for being too nice, too good to people. This is like in a job interview where they ask you a weakness and you're like, I'm too committed. I work too hard. (laughs) I've been asked, how'd you end up in prison? And you're like, I'm too nice. I just have the wrong person. Oops. It's very in character to be fair. God damn. I, Why, yeah. why'd you go to jail, babe? Uh, someone, someone harmed one of my cats and I murdered them. I don't think any jury in the U.S. would convict you for that. They probably would. I don't know. I think they'd understand. I mean, I am white, but I think I would get some jail time. Would you go full John Wick? Oh, yeah. Good old Keanu. And they don't even have to kill one of my cats. They just have to, like, kick them. Or, Mm. like, I don't know, say something mean to one of my cats and I will murder you. (laughs) Don't fuck with our cats, listeners. Andy tells me all the time that they have a recurring nightmare about something happening to Axel and, like, me, like, fucking losing my mind. So. (laughs) I do. It's my worst nightmare is something happening to Axel. Andy, why would you be in jail? I would go to jail for uh, most likely anarchist revolutionary activity, I think. Mm. I I like attention. Yeah. And I have very strong opinions. And I feel like someday... Those two personality traits are going to uh, combine and land me in charge of some sort of mm-hmm. anarchist rebel cell or yeah. maybe like a political death cult or something. I yep. was going to say definitely some kind of cult situation. Yeah, definitely some sort of cult. I'm probably going to start a cult one of these days. Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of bound to happen. It's kind yeah. of inevitable. Yeah, it's it's really where my entire life's trajectory has been leading towards is starting a cult. And so cult-related activities or like anarchist-related activities, some sort mm-hmm. of some sort of weird highly committed group of people who worship right. me are going to land me in some sort of trouble. Yeah, I feel like cult is almost like too low key for you. Like there's an air of secrecy that has to be with a cult where it's just like, this is not enough attention. I need to be like, I need to be on top of this barricade. It's me and Marius and Grant's air, and we are just like waving that flag. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. so something between that. Happen. Something between. 
I'm going to punch a cop or some shit. <laughs> Something between cult and uh, barricade of the French Revolution. I also really dislike cops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, Which, if you're, and if you're a cop, you have to tell us. So yeah, that, that's you know. what, look, look, that's why we have this rule. That's why the law made that rule. Right. Yup. <laughs> so now that I'm on a watch list... Which, let's be real, I was on one before. I was going to say, I think it's cute that you think enough people listen to our podcast that any uh, government agents would be alerted to your cop hating. I would say, oh, no. I, I would say though, in this, the year of our Lord 2019, I think that the, the watch lists are pretty expansive. I think we, you can get on a watch list for pretty damn near anything these days. We also know that my family, like, eavesdrops on our podcast, and, yeah. like... If anyone's going to, like, alert the FBI to some sort of potential crime I'm committing, it's my family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Andy's family has, in fact, cyber-stalked me in the past. Good times. Yeah. All right, let's move on to this show. <laughs> all right. Good bit. Yeah, good bit. That was bit. a good bit. Crime. We had some good responses all, there. We've all learned something about each other and ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, let's, let's discuss the Black Donnelly's episodes 8, 9, and 10. Episode 8 is called, In Each One a Savior. What are these quotes from, by the way? What, like, all of the titles are clearly quotes. They, I don't know, I'm not in charge. At the top of every episode, they give a quote from, I don't know who the quotes are by, but it's like a fuller, longer quote that uh, encapsulates the title. Oh, so they're not even consistent. They're just like, a guy said this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably has some sort of thematic meaning, we just don't know. Yeah. They're not putting that kind of work in. In each one a savior, uh, Tommy is like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to help people no more. Helping people has only screwed me. I'm looking out for myself. And then he gets a phone call from Kate. Kate? Kate? Kate. Is it Kate? I was Kate. right. Yeah, Kate. That she wants him to like tutor her son in art. And he's like, I don't know. I guess so. And on his way there, this old lady's like, hey, my apartment building is covered in drug dealers. There's, it's, just, it's giddy with drug dealers. Lousy I'm, with them, you might say. Your daddy and my husband uh, used to fuck with each other. And uh, presumably not in that sense, but okay. You never know. And I, uh, I, I know that you're a good kid and the neighborhood talks about you and you're going to beat these drug dealers up, right? And Tommy's like, nope. Fuck you, old lady. Go to Doki. And so he goes over to Kate and then Doki is like, hey, I don't want you teaching my nephew your sissy art stuff because he's going to be a man someday. So you're going to stop, and I'm going to blackmail you to stop. So Tommy bails on the art thing. Jimmy and Whitey are doing uh, all sorts of crimes. Extortion. Yeah, they get really into extortion in this episode. It's a little fucked up. There's some bullshit, like flashbacks with Jimmy and Jenny Riley, which are dumb. The show is perfect, but that's dumb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, but Jimmy does extorting, and he extorts Jenny. Tommy is like, all right, I'm going to go beat up those drug dealers for that old lady. And he gets Kevin and Sean together and they beat up the drug dealers for the lady. And then when they're bragging to Jimmy about it, Jimmy's like, y'all got played. That lady was my dealer when I was like 14. So then they go and they like, they don't beat her up, but they like push her down and they steal her door. And Jimmy steals all of her drugs. And then Jenny comes to the bar and is like, hey, Jimmy, you're an asshole. Here's your protection money because you're extorting me. And the brothers beat the shit out of Jimmy and leave. And that was episode eight. Episode nine is called All of Us Are in the Gutter. This is a, this is a big, this is a big episode. Kate gets Tommy like an, like an art job to like apprentice under this like actual, like big deal professional artist. But while Tommy is doing that, Kevin and Jimmy and Sean and Joey Ice Cream are getting up to like some big time crime shenanigans because Nikki Katero has called the brothers and wants to make a deal. But they make Jimmy look like a dum-dum and they only want to talk to Tommy. 
And so Jimmy is getting ready to try and murder Nikki Katero and like start a full on crime mob war. And Jimmy quits the art life for good to become like the leader of his family and like to actually start doing proper crime shenanigans. And uh, it's really dramatic. He has this great meeting with uh, Nikki and the brothers all kind of step in line with him. Like it's the first time that they're all kind of working together on the same page. Um, and Nikki reveals that he wants to kill Doki. He's going to do it himself. And after he kills Doki, he wants Tommy to take over all of the Irish mob. The episode after that is called When the Door Opens, episode 10. And the brothers have their crime meeting post Nikki Katero meeting. And Tommy has a very bad plan. And his plan is to go to Doki and help Doki murder Nikki Katero because Tommy doesn't want to work with Nikki because Nikki doesn't like Jimmy. Honestly, the smartest thing about Nikki is that he doesn't like Jimmy because liking Jimmy is dumb because Jimmy's dumb. Mm -hmm. And so instead, Tommy wants to help Doki murder Nikki and then Tommy wants to murder Doki. Which involves like two more murders than before because Nikki was going to do all the hard work anyway. But uh, after that, they go to Doki and suck up to Doki and Doki's like, hey, there's a councilman. He wants me to do a job. You're going to do it for me. And the job is to forcibly evict these people. And uh, through the course of that, Tommy and Kevin and Joey Ice Cream murder a veteran in a wheelchair. And it's a little fucked up. And then Jimmy murders Whitey. I don't know that it's quite murder because murder has to be deliberate. They manslaughter the dude. Okay, they do manslaughter him. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they accidentally kill him in the process of like attempting to evict him. Jimmy murders Whitey. Finally, we knew it was going to happen. It finally happened uh, because Doki is trying to blackmail the Donnellys. Doki's trying to like get dirt on the Donnellys, and so they had gotten to Whitey. And Jimmy has to murder him. Oh, Jenny Riley's dad like officially has Alzheimer's, and uh, Samson is being a real fucking creep. And uh, Sean is with the jukebox girl. Sean and the jukebox girl are dating. And I think that's everything. Yes, that's it is. Episode seven and, or that's episodes eight, nine, and ten. I will say this. I feel like the plan that Tommy has is not exactly that. I feel like Tommy's plan is that he knows that Nikki is gonna mar- is gonna kill Doki anyway. So it's kind of like get Doki's guys on Tommy's side so that he'll have once Doki's dead, the force will be there to keep them keep Nikki from killing the Donnellys. Yeah, that could be part of it. I feel like that's how they they tried to play it out. Will it work? I don't know. Their decisions on this show are often bad. But what might not be bad is is this show. Uh, Evan. Yes, Ronnie. This show. Uh, the three episodes that we watched, at least, did they work for you? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to keep with my no. There were some things in these episodes that worked, but there were an equal number of things that did not work, and I don't think it was enough to to tip the scale from my previous no's. Sorry. Andy. Yeah. Did these three episodes of the Black Donnellys work for you? Uh, That weird noise I made was was me making a sad face at Evan. Loudly making a sad face. Yeah, I loudly make faces. That's that good, Uh, good Foley work you get on Ending Pending. Yeah, (laughs) because my heart is broken that Evan uh, would disagree with me because the show's great and it's working. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Andy. Have you seen the light? Have I seen the light? Um, I've seen the darkness in in yourself, in myself, and you um, love the show now. I I don't know that that's the case. These three episodes did work for me. Yes, 
Yes. Oh boy. Oh yes. I'm so pleased. It was. It was. Oh. It's far from perfect. It's far from a, a a good show. I feel like at this point, but you, these three episodes did push push that dial over the edge for me. You know, I'm a sub because I'm even happier now that you've denied this from me for so long <laughs> that I, I finally got it. Oh wow! Oh, okay, fuck yeah. yes, we I all love it. Some things about Andy today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also it's, never would have pegged Ronnie not, for it. I, I, I never would have pegged Ronnie for a Tom either. But apparently, no, no. accidental Dom, <laughs> Ronnie, this guy. Um. So uh, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about the things on this uh, on these three episodes. That really worked for us. This episode of Ending Pending is brought to you by Trans Artist of the Day on Twitter. Listen, we're all looking for new art to enjoy and artists to support. So why not go to Twitter and follow Charlie Arlette at Charlie Arlette, Laura Platt at Laura Platt Music, and Roy at Royce Draws. I personally actually immediately commissioned Charlie right before recording this because I love their work and I wanted some artwork of my D&D character. And uh, I cannot brag about them enough. So That's an immediate result from this ad. Yeah, Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. ad is already seeing profit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To find more amazing artists, follow Trans Artist of the Day on Twitter. You can find them at trans underscore artist. And again, that's trans artist of the day at trans underscore artist. And remember, stay kind to yourself and others. Y'all, these people are rad as fuck. I'm going off script now. I'm so on board with them. And you went through the copy. Now we're going off script. We're going off script. They're a great Twitter account. Each of these artists is amazing and they're constantly celebrating and plugging other trans artists. And I'm so stoked that they uh, reached out to Lunar Light to do this paid ad and that they chose our podcast to do it because I think they're amazing. We've been blessed. Wait, wait, wait. We don't have time to do the intro song. This is a promo. Miles, yeah? introduce the show. All right. Uh, welcome to Artificial Ghost Radio, your unofficial guide to navigating the airwaves. I'm Miles. I'm Mars. This is a podcast where each and every week we rediscover what makes music so special. Miles, what's the theme this promo? The theme this promo, the only promo, is a song that we think would be really good to use in a promo for our podcast. Mars, what's the song? The song is Thirst Shop by Macklemore because it's pretty recognizable. Hit that timer. 30 seconds. Go. All right. Uh, Thirst Shop by Macklemore came out in 2012. And you know why it's a great song to use in a promo for your podcast, Mars? Why is that? Because the song is so dumb that it forces you to listen to what we're talking about the only benefit to listening to thrift shop is knowing you're exactly three minutes and 52 seconds closer to death mars why do you think it's a great song to use that's really grim miles i haven't listened to songs since 2013 when it came out uh but i really actually like the beat i like the the weird vocal element to it in the beginning oh shit that's the timer oh no i, I wish you didn't talk about piss <laughs> yeah Macam- macklemore said piss macklemore said piss he also said gay rights he also did say gay rights Speaking of gay rights, you can find Artificial Ghost Radio on Lunar Light Studios at LunarLightStudio.com. Also at Spotify, iTunes, and wherever good podcasts are bought and sold. What are you buying, stranger? What are you selling? Come listen to us do the goblin voice every episode, I think. And we're back. And it is time we to are open up the floor. We are back in action. Yeah, we are. And it's time... For that action to commence, and uh, these are the good actions. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Ronnie, I'm most curious to hear what worked for you. Sure. been pretty down on the show thus far, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm curious what has tipped the scales for you. I'll I'll just go. I'll go right down. Uh, Episode eight, there is a, you know, the dynamic between Jenny and her dad has started to work it felt very annoying early on like it's just very much like i was saying last time like oh they're not gonna change you can't change them but just like 
it felt like it worked and that manifested itself in a moment that is probably my favorite of the show so far when Jenny learns that the Donnelly's dad before he died used to extort Jenny's dad just like Jimmy is just like Doki has just like Jimmy is Um, I love that scene yeah it is such an interesting thing because in these flashbacks we keep seeing of Jimmy's dad or of, of yeah of the Donnelly's dad we feel like Tommy is following in his footsteps and Tommy is becoming the man that his dad always was. But well, their, their dad seems like so perfect in all the flashbacks. Right, right. Yeah. They, the kids definitely hero worshiped their dad and we're seeing it from their perspective in the flashbacks of like their dad being wise and tough and, and just a, a stand-up guy, a proper like, dad. Like Tommy is, and I think Ronnie's about to take it somewhere slightly darker. Well, I just mean that, you know, we have this this hero vision of the Donnelly's dad being, you know, the person Tommy is trying to be, of helping everybody, and, you know, you gotta get your hands dirty, but you do it for the greater good, when really, he was more than likely more like a Jimmy, more of a bit of a, you know, I'll use the word the show uses a bit of a scumbag, a bit of a, a low life. Um, you know, we learn in this episode about the dynamic between the drug dealing lady and how her husband and, and the Donnelly's dad used to get along. And it's like, well, I can put two and two together in that circumstance and, and, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. understand what might be going on there. Um, it was just really like interesting to me that it's, it's, you know, it's it, it feels like a story of everyone trying to emulate this hero figure and all of them are falling short. But really, all of them are doing so much better, probably. And but they but they all still feel so shitty about it, which is like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, I agree with you, Ronnie. The um, the like subplot with Jenny and her dad is probably my favorite storyline uh, of this section uh, and I mm-hmm. also really liked episode eight where uh, like with the, the drug dealer lady and how she she tricked Tommy into helping her, basically. Yeah, uh, I thought those were both very interesting and very enlightening about uh, the the people we're following. Um, also, like it's it's nice to have. So at the beginning, uh, even Jenny and her dad's like problem like the i i don't know her dad's name mr riley mm-hmm. uh mr riley's memory problem the fallout of that was we don't have any money i said last time that everything in the show is just like money get money lose money get money lose money like every every problem is a function of needing money or having money or losing money. And it's not disguised in any kind of a way. It's just very it, it's it feels very one-dimensional when that's when that's the root of all your problems. Um so at at the beginning of this subplot, uh Mr. Riley was dropping their nightly deposits into the mailbox instead of into like the bank's night deposit. Uh, because he was having memory problems, and that was, like, the issue, is the diner doesn't have money. But now it's evolved into the actual interpersonal dynamics of Jenny being concerned about her dad and trying to do what's right for him against his wishes, because he's in denial and he's convinced there's nothing wrong with him, and she's trying to get him to get medical help. She ends up, like, having him arrested, even though the the dude he punched isn't pressing charges, so that he can get a medical exam, basically. And this whole thing is much more interesting than just, Dad lost all our money! Right, right, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely uh, agree with you. Yeah, and I feel like uh, this whole, like, Tommy helping people thing, I don't know, maybe maybe this is just me, but I feel like we've been told a lot that Tommy doesn't want to be in this life and that Tommy's such a good dude. And, like, certainly he makes a lot better decisions than his brothers do absolutely uh he he's generally a more compassionate person 
But uh, we were kind of told in the first episode, like, oh, yeah, he gave up this uh, life as an artist to protect his brothers and take up a life of crime. And this was the most profoundly I think we've seen his actual conflict of, like, I don't want to be a bad dude. I want to help this lady, but I'm so embroiled in this life of bad shit happening that I can't help but... uh, be supporting bad people, basically, even when I try to help someone. So, right, yeah, even, yeah. I really love this episode. Yeah, it, it, like I even at the end of it, they they do something that is, and and here I'll talk about the music for a second. Music doesn't quite work, but no. cinem- cinematically, it's like a very heavy music going on at the bar that follows them at the same level all the way to this drug dealer lady's house. That works. The song itself is like a little bit like weirdly headbangy for this kind of situation <laughs> on the nose, maybe. Um, but after they so they steal the woman's door and and then just take it away. And I'm like, what does that accomplish? What does that like really make happen? And then I, as I think about it more, it's like, well, if she's like the hot place to get drugs and people kind of come by, it's like. People are going to say, hey, what happened to your door? Oh, the Don. Well, they're like, also oh. leaving. They're leaving her vulnerable to being attacked by all of the druggies who she's been that's serving this whole time. Like she's going to get robbed for sure and probably beaten up. And people are probably going to ransack her house looking for drugs. So that's fair. But I also feel like it's kind of just like a like, listen, you screw with the Donnelly's. We might not kill you, which I feel like is a good thing. I feel like maybe their father or, you know, Doki, like that era would have just killed her. But they're just leaving a calling card of like, hey, you're not going to it's not going to be okay for you if you try and screw us over. And and, you know, it just felt very like a, a brotherly moment that was, you know, quickly destroyed by Jimmy just being the worst um, yeah, the end of this episode is very good. Yeah. Where they're like, this, I think the reason why I love this episode in particular is it's the first time we've seen all four brothers do something fun mm-hmm. since the opening of the first episode when they played hockey together. I'd hesitate to call it fun. I mean, like, they clearly are... They're bonding. Chuckle- well, they are having fun, but, like, clearly they're... I, at least what I read into this is that they removed her door as a way of like serving her karmic justice. Well, like, yeah. oh, you're drug, you're dealing drugs. Now you're at the mercy of all the people you're dealing drugs to, uh, which is kind of dark. I mean, it's not as dark as murdering her for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, it's it's but, dark, but they're having a good time. They're I, having fun. They're bonding as brothers. They're they're doing a civic service to the community. Right. <laughs> well, I feel like it's. I'm not le- disagreeing with you. I I, but, I like but then that- the the end. Where they're like hanging out of the bar and like celebrating and laughing and having a good time, and then Jenny shows up and is like, "Hey, Jimmy, fuck you," is great. Yeah, it's that, it's very emotional and it it hits very hard. In that scene, they talk about like what they're gonna do with the door, and Jimmy is like, "This is a symbol. Like this is a symbol of our triumph. We're gonna hang this up over the bar, and they're all having a good time." And the episode after Jimmy gets the shit beat out of him. Like is the end of the episode is Jimmy hauling this thing that he deemed a symbol of their triumph and throwing it in the back alley, uh, just like he did to to Louis Downtown all those episodes ago, and just leaving it, you know, for dead. I thought that way, if not a little on the nose for this show, I felt like that was a good, a really good moment. Um, to to jump back to the, um, the drug dealing lady and taking her door. I don't feel like this was written as like a morality play of like, ooh, you sell drugs like you were going to take you out. It was more like this lady wanted these drug dealers removed because she they were moving in on her territory and they kind of had to make the stance of like, if you're just going to use us as bruisers to like help your drug business, that's not going to be okay. Oh, I. 100%. Hundred percent. Yeah. I, I no. I yeah. don't think they were uh, judging her for selling drugs because their brother is a drug addict. Right. Uh. They 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 did that because she 
tricked them basically. right right and, and and tricked them because she like to help her business to like yeah, yeah. it's it's not like i can't go in and out of my business because these drug dealers are here it's like hey these drug dealers are taking my business like and 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 to like because then they're she's like pulling the donnelly's as her personal bodyguards into her orbit and you could see how that could spiral out of control if everyone's doing that so that's why i feel like not killing her and letting her like tell the story of like yep don't 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 fuck with the donnelly's weird shit happens next episode was real good too the 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 whole the dynamic of of tommy and and nikki and and jimmy being a part of that and even the the dynamic between the artist like the famous artist that tommy goes to work for and like that scene of just like like him saying like kid you better give it up because if there's something out there that's more important than what's in here you're never it's never gonna it's never gonna change it's always gonna be more important out there it felt like kind of built up as this like important moment and it's you know it's hard to nail that kind of thing when it's like and this is the moment that that tommy gave up on art like it 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 kind of worked for me at the end once it was all wrapped up my problem with that episode is i felt like the pilot was this is the moment that tommy gave up on art and I feel like they kind of realized they, the, okay, the, his entry into a life of crime was very good and very dramatic. That portion of the transition was handled well. Cause the first episode, that was a strong emotional beat there at the end where he just went in and fucking murdered all those dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like I said, they, they told more than showed us his like passion for art. We yeah. didn't get anything, and there was, like, so much in that episode that they obviously couldn't cram in um, a slow, deliberate character development angle like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they tried to, like, retcon a little bit and redo Tommy giving up art and uh, submitting to a life of crime symbolically, you know? I don't necessarily think... So, like, I think the episode, the night in episode one where Tommy murders all those people wasn't him giving up on art. It was him setting in motion the wheels that would, like, put him on that life of crime. So, like, he didn't necessarily make the conscious decision of, yes, I am forever committing to a life of crime, but he did put those wheels in motion where this is him consciously doing it. This right. is him saying, I'm not going to be an artist anymore. My life is on a different trajectory now. So like, yes, that night did change Tommy's life because he did do those murders. But in his mind, it was like these murders and I'm out. Yeah. Like, and- I'm, I'm, I'm dipping my toe in to do these murders, However- but I'm not going to be a, a crime Lord. Whereas this episode is him being like, all right, it is time to be a crime lord. Right. I feel like that is Tommy deciding that he is going to solve a problem. And like you said, like, I'm out. And everything up until this point has been, oh, well, this is a problem that has been created because of that night. Okay, well, this is also a problem that's, and I'm solving these problems. As a, and this is a point where he's just like, well, I'm done solving problems now. Now I have to, like, be the solution permanently to these problems and, and continue this life. I don't think that you're wrong in interpreting it that way. I don't think the show conveyed well enough the struggle between him wanting to fully extricate himself from a life of crime. Because all we ever see him doing is crime, really. Uh, Like, as viewers of the show, most of what we are shown is Tommy being, at the very least, complicit in some way in gangster shit uh you know the only time we see him go to his art school that they talk about so much is to withdraw his or attempt to withdraw his tuition to drop out of art school yeah i just feel like all the crime that tommy is doing other times but i see your point yeah i feel like the crime that tommy is doing and this does not make crime okay but is like crime that is directed at either getting his brothers out of trouble or helping people like which is you know neither here nor there and i still i think that 
honestly, that will continue through the series. Like it will be like, oh, well, we've got to do this thing to protect ourselves. And, you know, you can justify a lot of things with a lot of different reasons. Um, for for me, the scene like the whole, you know, him working with the artist and, you know, getting coffee and, you know, fixing things, throwing trash out, cl- unclogging toilets like. We have not seen like Tommy take this kind of shit from anybody at all the whole season. Like it, it's you have there's a short fuse on Tommy. Like he'll be nice. He'll be nice. Oh, no, you've you've gone too far. Now you fucked up with this guy. He just takes it and takes it. And for me, that was a little bit of like, OK, he's serious about this. Like like, you know, you, you, they have the moments about like learning about the Sistine Chapel and, and you know, the, the, the shit you have to do to to achieve your dreams and Tommy doesn't say, well, fuck this. I'm out. Tommy says like, okay, I want to see this to its conclusion until it's like, well, I have to, I, you know, I have to make a decision here and, and, and leave this behind. So that, that covered the gap for me. I agree with you. It's maybe, you know, they could have done a little bit more leading up to this. The, um, the most meaningful portion of this episode for me was when he comes back and the guy's like, I, I fired you. You can't yeah. be here. Yep. And he's like, I just wanted to see how the paint came out. Like when they were, they were mixing paint by hand with pigments mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, I just wanted to see the color and then I'll leave. That's the sort of thing that I wish they had sprinkled into the rest of the show. Just little things like that. Yep. But it was, that was really impactful because it's such a little thing, but you saw him put work into it throughout the episode. Yep. And then you saw him like leave a crime thing and go back to to literally stare piningly at the art thing, even though he knew he could never have it, like because right. the dude had already fired him. That's the sort of thing that I mean. Like I wish they had sprinkled that a little bit more artfully, for lack of a better word, into the rest of the show to really establish for us that um, there's more to Tommy than like, oh yeah, I used to go to art school, but now I do crime. Mm-hmm. And it is it is very tragic though, uh, like having Tommy go like humble himself and go back just to see how the paint yeah. it looks. Yeah, because that, the 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 whole significance of the paint is it comes from like this artist deciding oh like your your best memory to me equals this cerulean blue color your your worst memory equals this like scarlet red and he's like not going to see a finished piece of art he's not going to like help him do anything he just wants to see the color that this artist has decided like represents the most the best moment of his life and he like literally it doesn't doesn't say a word he looks down at the bowl of blue paint the cerulean paint and then just walks out almost as if like well this is as close as I'm going to get to that moment again. This is as close as I'm going to get to that that f- feeling that I had that was so good that this artist was able to to show for me. And now now I am firmly ready. It, it, J- J- Joey Ice Cream says like that was the moment he was ready to give up his dreams after he was like, well, I've seen seen what I could have. I've seen like this great moment in my life. And now I'm ready to fully commit to this life of crime more the scarlet of of his life. I uh two two small things I love. I love how proud Jimmy is of like the firecracker lounge sign and how he's been trying to like take the bar more serious then he's got Sean working at it and Sean really cares about it. And Joey Ice Cream is like always trying to help out. And I love the bit where Joey Ice Cream is talking to the priest about the firecracker lounge. And the priest is like, like Joey describes it as like the hottest club in town. Like there's babes, there's booze, there's music. And the priest is like, I grew up in that neighborhood my whole life. Like I know the firecracker lounge. It's still there. It's a dive. <laughs> and Joey's like, oh, ooh, uh, oops. I was, uh, I was talking about a place that we, uh, took over later on. <laughs> and the priest is like, what do you mean took over? And he's like, but. I just love that bit. Yeah. I, I love yeah. when like Joey's full of shit and lying to whoever he's talking to and they call him on it. And then like the story we're watching changes to fit reality. Yeah. That's always yeah. fun. I liked, I liked Joey ice cream. I liked Joey ice cream. These three episodes. 
It was good. I don't know if, if y'all have it on the DVDs. Does he do like a terrible last time on little oh, pitch yeah. at the beginning of every episode? That no. I don't love. I, we will get into that later. That is just so cheesy and like an interesting way of doing it, I guess. Like it stays within the narrative, but it's like uh, it also like it. I feel like it, it handholds you a little bit. Like there's some things that like I'm like, I guess you could pull that, but I don't know that I pulled it. But I guess the writers want me to pull this out of the scene. <laughs> did you know that there are after the credit scenes for like half the episodes? Because I did not. I've watched I, this show all the way through like five or six times. Mm-hmm. I did not know that there were after the credit scenes till now. I remembered that last week. I forgot this week and didn't watch any of them. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, I'll have to go back and check those out. Uh, I feel like we're just doing free form because yeah. even when Evan brings up a positive, he also like hides <laughs> in three negatives. So we might as well just be doing this free form. A compliment sandwich. If you cut down a compliment tree, you have to plant two negatives in its place. I did not like is the word I want to like. And you couldn't even think of how to talk about this show negatively. Like your brain just did not compute. <laughs> I I hate the bit in the backstory that Jimmy had a crush on Jenny. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. is oh, very bad. Yeah. I hated it so much. It's it's very unnecessary. They could have just been friends mm-hmm. and it still would have worked. Like the emotional right. trauma of your friend beating the shit out of your dad to extort money from him is just as bad as like, oh, he also like had this unrequited like crush or whatever on me. It's just yeah. Yeah. So it, dumb. It, they don't know how to write yeah. Jenny Riley shit without adding a dude pining after her. Right. Yeah, girl won't go out with me. Uh, trauma. Uh. Yeah. Like he's already got so much trauma between like his br- like not knowing his brother is the one who crippled him for life and like accidentally getting his father murdered. Yeah. That is so much trauma. He doesn't need more. Yeah. Like. And it's so contrived to call that trauma. Yeah, like, like like as if like getting rejected by a girl is on par with that other shit. Right. Yeah, they dedicated so much time in that episode to him like uh, having flashbacks about Jenny and then standing on the roof and looking down at Jenny as Tommy kissed her and he was just sobbing and it, it was just like, yeah. wow, what what a thing to dedicate all that screen time to. And it was so unnecessary Oh boy. It's just like you you've you've established that this character is a drug addict. Mm-hmm. So like you don't need an excuse to make him irrational. Like, well, like it, also we've established that he's kind of an egomaniac and yeah. the fact that uh Whitey was like, "Hey, you got to go extort that guy even though you know him because if word gets out that you let some guy off the hook, then yeah. nobody's going to respect you." That was a perfectly rational like well not rational but in jimmy's mind as we've established jimmy's character that was a perfectly valid reason for him to go in and demand money from mr riley and then punch him in the face and then to have that whole like fallout situation with jenny right you did not need any of that nonsense it doesn't in the background it does establish this level of of what they call betrayal between uh, Tommy and uh, Jimmy, but again, I'm sure with the life that these boys lead, there is a far more significant moment in their life where Jimmy felt betrayed by Tommy. Yeah, like, like that. I know that. I know that he doesn't know about this yet. But wait until the dude figures out that his brother ran over his leg and crippled him right. for life and gave him right. chronic pain and caused to spiral downward into drug addiction. Right. Like, come and on. I, I do think the dramatic irony works for that, that. That he doesn't know that yet. Like, I feel like there there should be a, a moment of like betrayal before that. But like, you know, maybe he was supposed to, you know take him driving someplace and instead he went to an art lecture or so like just there's there are easier things you can do to like take this person and say oh he doesn't care about me as much as i care about him and, yeah. and establish that i 100 percent agree even the whole fact that tommy like went to like he he you know left the family to go to right. art school to get out of this life just that just hearkening back to that with again how selfish and egotistical Jimmy is 
that seems like a perfectly Jimmy reason to feel betrayed by Tommy. Yep. Like, oh yeah, yep, well yep, you're yep. back now, but where were you last year? Like, yeah, yeah. Or I don't know. You got me arrested for stealing those shirts. Sure. Oh yeah. Sure. Play on something that actually happened in the show. The yeah. Flash- don't- <laughs> yeah. The flashbacks definitely, you know, sometimes carry weight in this narrative, but there's there's no way that Joey Ice Cream knows all of these th- things that happen in the the childhood home of the Donnelly. So well, it's like I have a theory about that. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you do. You know how we talked to Alex? Yeah. yeah. You know how we talked about angels? <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to know where this is going, but I guess I have to know where this is going. Okay. Joey Ice Cream is not a mere boy. <laughs> He is, in fact, an angel of the Lord. You're saying he's a guardian angel? And you, you can tell this, you can tell this by the wings uh, that he uses to cover his face, the wings he uses to fly, and the wings he uses to cover his uh, fiddly bits. <laughs> and his many faces and eyes. Yeah. And uh, the wheel of fire that accompanies him in every scene. In every scene, there is a wheel of fire somewhere behind Joey Ice Cream. Covered in eyes. That, it's that ha- signifies secretly that he, he's an angel. It's really subtle, but but it, it's definitely there. It's there, yeah. Yeah, that definitely explains his omniscience and make his, makes his... Uh, it, it's clearly an indicator that he is, in fact, omniscient. He's not misremembering. He's just remembering from every possible timeline. Yeah. Or he, he may be a Nephilim. That's the half-angel, half people. Uh... By most scholars, it is believed to be a half angel, half person, or there's, a giant, there's, possibly. There's there's some other weird takes on Nephilim, but anyway, that's my Joey ice cream theory. Yeah. Anyway, I would like there to be uh, less flashbacks in this show. It's the I. It, it, it's tough for for the episode where they're evicting people, um, because uh, gentrification. Gentrification is bad. I think we can take a hard stance on ending pending. That's yep. bad. Mm-hmm. And um, murdering people to take their apartment is bad. I think we can strongly say that. Yep. And uh, yeah. So that one's a little rough. That one's a little tough to get behind the boys on. Yeah. Uh, I think it's definitely a sign that they are uh like specifically Tommy is like all lane and has sold his soul. Yeah. Like getting twenty grand and like he murdered murdered some people who didn't deserve it, and uh they've definitely gotten better at hiding bodies, which I think is uh a nice little indicator of character growth. Hashtag growth. <laughs> I don't know if that was a good scene and I don't know if it like advanced the plot really for any of these boys the scene where they're burying the vet and they're folding the flag and it was, remembering it was, it was 2006 and like y'all it was only five years after 9-11 no I get you before, I get you before 2008 I feel like you could not have anything set in New York without talking about 9-11 that's fair that's fair and, like, and so I, I think that like does it hold up now? Absolutely not. It was. It felt pretty cheesy and forced. But like back in two thousand six, did it say something and like mean something? Back in two thousand six, people were were uh, watching their television with their hand over their heart. Yeah, like crying a little. Well, bit. I think it probably really shocked people that they had their protagonist murder a vet. Yeah, like specifically a vet hurt in Afghanistan. Um. I think that was probably uh, really a, a ballsy move. You know, now I, I don't necessarily think it, it carries the same weight. And I think all of like everyone's thoughts on the war in the Middle East are different. Yeah. Um, but I was I was going to say that, like, I don't know if it's good, but I liked the scene. Like, maybe I just liked Tommy in the scene. Maybe I just liked like him, you know. Having this again, more more like dramatically ironic hero worship of his dad, and and kind of like going through these paces, and and you know having respect in this kind of way, like further separating, you know, 
Tommy from Jimmy and his dad ostensibly. Um, and I and I do like that we got the Joey ice cream line at the end of like, so wait, you're not allowed to t- let the flag touch the ground, but you're allowed to d- bury it and put dirt on top of it. And they're like, shut up, Joey. Little little comic relief as we bury this veteran. The light. I mean, this is small. The lighting's not good on this show. It's like super dark. And like we talk about how dark it was on frequency a couple of shows ago and how that didn't work. But I at least feel like that was intentional. I feel like they just didn't do a very good job lighting this like it wasn't intentionally dark. Uh, There was one shot in particular at the end of episode 10. uh, I think. No, it wasn't quite. Uh, It doesn't matter. Uh, It's when the brothers and uh, Doki were like having a chat in a like an open uh, docking area for like semi trucks. And it was like warehouse, a warehouse style building, but it had all these open doors. So there, and there was this wide shot Mm -hmm. uh, where you could like sort of, like see the open sky through the doors behind them. And the camera was looking through like a set of open doors on the other side of the building. And I thought like they were really, really trying hard to do a dramatic, like artistic shot here. And it did not work at all. No, no. Like, I just could not figure out what was going on in the shot. And all of the like characters were like off center in a weird way. And so you were just looking straight through the building from one open door into the next open door. And you were like, what is this building? What is this building? Is this, is this building not, is the construction not complete? And I also couldn't see anything out behind them. So for a second, I thought they were like many, many stories up, like in a unfinished skyscraper or something. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Because like there were no buildings like on the... they're in a Fast and the Furious movie, ready to jump yes, off in the Charger. Yes, exactly. That's what I thought for a second, because there was no buildings in the skyline behind them. I guess they had used a low angle or something like that, mm-hmm. but it looked like it was just empty sky out behind them, and it was it was a very bad shot, and I yeah. think they were trying really, really hard to do like an artsy-fartsy wide shot. Yeah. The cinematography has not been great on this show. There's no shots where I'm like, oh, this shot. Mm-hmm. Um, one that really sticks out as good is like when Tommy comes back to the art studio and it's just like a half like in out of focus. Half the shot is the artist kind of mixing the paint and the other half of the shot is an in focus. Tommy kind of looking down with all at just like paint getting mixed with egg yolks and stuff like that. Like that was that was a very good shot. Like you could. Tommy did a the the actor playing Tommy did a great job of encapsulating that moment. Um, but yeah, there hasn't been a whole lot of uh, fantastic cinematography. I feel like the sets are just I don't know if they're doing like real sets, like real in New York, like um, storefronts and and shops and bars and stuff. But everything is so so narrow, all the spaces that they're in that it's really hard to get a, a you know a true excellent shot. Um. So so, Andy. Hit me with it. I wrote in my notes at the beginning of episode ten. After dealing with Jimmy and dealing with the art artist guy at the very beginning, that mean people suck, and I just wanted to make that known that like, hey, mean people suck. Stop being mean, people. But also, I wrote after that, Kevin sucks more. Um, Kevin sucks a lot. Kevin sucks a lot. Kevin, I don't think it cancels anything out because Kevin has sucked so, so much. But him kind of hanging with Jenny while she looks for her dad was a really nice moment. I enjoyed yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah, at least he did something. Right. Besides just, just move the plot along, like create right. conflict for plot. Right. And But my, my problem is is that while Kevin is like maybe becoming more dynamic or at least just having one moment where he doesn't suck. Um, Sean is just like doing nothing. And like a a character that we added who had some like vanity issues at the beginning and now is just like, Oh, well now I'm the young one who makes bad decisions. 
I'm the new young guy on the block who doesn't, you know, think his actions through. And it's just like, can can this can one of them just be like a voice of reason? Can one of them be like, I don't expect that to be like Sean, but like outside of Tommy, who is doing things like like super like Gryffindor style. Can we have like a Ravenclaw in here? Just like, I don't think that's the best idea. I don't think you're doing a good job. The, the Ravenclaw is Joey Ice Cream. I guess so. That's Hi. not true. No, it's not. No, uh, no, he's not. No, you you almost tricked me. You almost tricked me there. I think the Ravenclaw is Joey or is uh, Nikki Katero. Yeah, well, well, you're not wrong about that. Raven Ravenclaw Slytherin, but like leaning towards Ravenclaw for sure. Here's a uh, pitch. I don't think we needed a fourth brother, and if we had to have one for some reason, I feel like the fourth brother brother should have been the point of view character who is telling the story later in prison. Yep. I think that would work because anything between Sean and Kevin, Sean and Kevin are both pretty useless. They could have been merged into one character very easily without really changing anything. I mean, you'd have to like shuffle some stuff around a little bit, but that like Kim, our housemate has been, you know, dropping in on episodes and she was like, oh yeah, what's this one do? The answer is nothing. She was talking about Sean. Nothing. Yeah. The answer is nothing. <laughs> yeah, his 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 uh his motivation is just like I want to make money so I don't have to go back to high school. And it's like from a like real life perspective, stop that. Go back to high school. Yeah. But like from like just from a narrative perspective, it's like that's not really. Like, I guess people have been there. I was there at one point. I'm just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to keep going to school. But like, like, it just feels very like teen drama in this very heavy, dramatic mob show. You know, it's also not a whole season's worth of character. You know, I don't want to go back to high school is not is not enough to flesh out a fourth brother for the whole. Yeah. I, I like episodes. I like having the fourth brother because I think it works having that dynamic there. But just give him something to do, make him like the smart one, or at least like the money one, or the or the you know the the math one, or the science one. Something have him do machines. You know we yeah. we don't we need someone for that. <laughs> um, I uh I I genuinely think that they only have a fourth brother. Because uh, they they were planning on killing a brother at some point. Mm. That's fair. We had to have a disposable one. Yeah, I, I think I think either Kevin or Sean is disposable and was was probably going to die at some point in the show. Yeah. the The fundamental flaw with that logic is that if you build in a character to be disposable, the audience is not going to connect with them the way well, they're meant yeah. to. So. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong. I just think that's bad writing. Yeah. Um, anything else to say about this great show? <laughs> Other than that it's great? No, I think you've covered it. I think that Andy's, uh, Andy's shown us all. Yeah, I'm glad that you guys have come around. <laughs> I glad like, that fifty percent of you guys have come around. I, I it these three I could episodes get you to worked. Say it's good if I really wanted to. So I don't know what you mean by that. Sex. <laughs> yeah, I, I do know what you mean by that. Then, um, so let's let's take a look at the whole show, whole kit and caboodle. Uh, we'll lead off with Andy. Get this out of the way, Andy. Yeah, ha- has have these ten episodes of the Black Donnellys worked for you? Yes, I think that Evan has some valid points about Tommy's arc. Maybe uh, could have used a little bit more resistance, but I, I personally think that it was um, really satisfying to see him in these three episodes, like come to terms with the fact that he's in a life of crime now, and he like doggone it, he's going to make sure that it's going to go smoothly from here on out. And uh, I, I think it was satisfying payoff. So, yeah, I think for episode one, Tommy, 
just wanted to be an art student and have a quiet life to episode 10 Tommy, like all in we're we're doing crime now for good. Let's let's get on the same page, everyone. I'm I'm here for it. I think it's good shit. Evan. Yes, Ronnie. All ten. All ten. This this decathlon of the Black Donnellys. Uh is it working for you? Uh no. Sorry. There there were Better things in these episodes. Had these episodes been par for the course for the whole show, uh, I might have come to the conclusion that overall things were going well enough, but it's kind of too little too late in my opinion. So, no, sorry. Hey, Ronnie. Hey yeah. Hey Ronnie. Hey yeah. The whole the whole pile, the whole plate. All 10 episodes. Are they working for you? I think they are. But just because like my my my, my odometer, my meter is like just split right down the middle and I feel like it would be disingenuous to the character that I'm playing as Ronnie if I let that go to the negative. <laughs> So I'm going to, you know, Ty, Ty goes to the runner here. Ty goes to the positive in, in, yeah! in Ronnie's mentality. Um, but here's why. Because I feel like we're getting to a point, and this maybe is not a reason why it's it's working. This is maybe a reason why I feel like it's going to work for me at the end. I feel like we're getting to the point where the Avengers of the Donnelly brothers and Joey Ice Cream and uh, Jenny... And Nikki Katero are going to like join forces to defeat the Thanos that is Doki. And I'm so here for that. I'm very here for it. Um, Maybe the Ultron that is Doki. Maybe not the Thanos. Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not that big. But it's just like I, 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 I do get that feeling sometimes of like Doki is the big bad. Like I feel like I'm watching like Runaways and it's like can we get the superhero team together so we can fight the big bads? Like, let's get it together so we can fight Doki. Like, let's forget all this stuff. And I feel like we are, like, coming around to that point. And so, yeah, it's 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 right on that line, but it is uh, officially working for me. Good shit. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so next week, we will cover our final episode of the Black Donnellys. Can I, can I give a disclaimer to our listeners? You sure can. Every so often, someone will, like... Send me a PM with a show suggestion. Y'all, I lose it immediately. <laughs> I, 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 I say like, oh, oh, thanks. I'll try and remember to like shoot that to the, to the boys. But I don't, I don't do it. I forget about it. Send it to me or Ronnie. Where the No, <laughs> don't send it to you two either, babe. You're not going to do it. Send it, send it, send it to the Facebook page or to our Twitter. Because those are our official, like, venues to receive that shit. And then we know where to look. If I'm thinking, oh, like, what a fan suggested. I'm going to check our Facebook page or I'm going to check our Twitter. If you send it to a PM, it's going to get lost forever. Mm-hmm. I know Evan was saying that he's responsible and he's going to do it. He, this boy is under so much pressure and shit. He's not. If you send it to PM to him, he's not going to do it. Ronnie, Ronnie's got real life shit going on like crazy that I'm not going to get into in a very public uh, podcast. But but he's also under a ton of pressure. And if you send it to him personally, he's not going to get it. I'm not under pressure. I'm just irresponsible. But just send it to our official venues. That's what they're there for. And then we get that good, good engagement that people yeah. are commenting we, on our stuff. We get to sing, see a, a single uh, bloop in our analytics sheet uh, for Facebook. Love yeah. those bloops. Love those analytic bloops. Yeah. That's that's the marketer in me. Ooh, Love those yes. line graphs. Yeah. Give me those data points. <laughs> um. So if you want to uh, send a show suggestion to the ending pending family, you can go to our Facebook and that's facebook.com slash ending 
That's and that's Facebook.com slash pending pod. You can go on Twitter. That's Twitter.com slash pending pod. You can go on Instagram. Uh, we're at ending pending or send us an email. Pending pod at gmail dot com. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Should um, is there anyone else? So so don't send it to don't tell Evan. Don't tell Andy. Don't tell Ronnie. Is there anyone else that shouldn't be like, don't tell anybody these suggestions? Do not people- do not send your idea submissions to Pawn Shop Lou. Oh, if you find yeah. a Facebook page entitled Pawn Shop Lou, uh, do not send him any information. No, don't, don't tell him. Don't tell him because if he if like he gets word that there's this podcast, he's going to find out about my dark crimes, about my dark science dealing crimes. Do not tell Pawn Shop Lou. Don't do it. Lunar Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay. 